Yo, check this out, y'all. This is me, DMC, and the place to be. And the place for you to always be at all times. 250,000 days, a million plus billion in a year is nerd enthusiast. Nerd enthusiast is the place to be taken from me. I know a lot about places to be. And while you're there, like and subscribe. Ruh. Welcome to the Nerd Enthusiast Music Podcast, where today we're going to be covering Milo Goes to Filmage. That's right, Milo Goes to College plus the documentary Filmage. We're going to be talking about both of those things here today. With me, as always, is Mr. John Brenner. John, how are you? I'm doing great, Matt. How about yourself? Doing fantastic, man. Um, real quick, before we hop into things, guys, I just want to remind you to please uh, go and support us over on Patreon if you can. It definitely helps out our show. It's patreon.com slash nerdthusiast. You guys can get exclusive content from all of our creators over there. Uh, each month, we have different creators participating, so please check that out and support us if you can. If you cannot support us, definitely understandable. Um, you guys can do things that are absolutely free to support us as well, like giving us a five-star review over on podcast services. You can like and subscribe to, to us over on YouTube. That would help us out a lot. And please remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Nerdthusiast, on all those things. John, The Descendants, Filmage. Tell me well, about it. What are your thoughts? Well, The Descendants are a very uh, personal thing to me. One of, the, one of the three or four first punk rock bands I got into. So discussing The Descendants is kind of an important thing for me. This documentary feels like it was long overdue, to be honest. It came out, I guess, 2013, I want to say. And I feel like it could have came out in 1998 would have been probably a better time just because just seems like the descendants have always been there, still are there. And they did a great job. So I am glad it took as long as it did. Yeah, it was definitely a great documentary, especially, you know, if you like the, like the history of like punk, pop punk music, yeah, just the descendants in general. There's a lot of really cool things in that. It's definitely worth watching. If you guys have Amazon Prime, I think it's free on there. I think that's where I watched it from. So you might want to check it out on there as well. Yeah, it is streaming on uh, Prime. I mean, to basically understand the descendants and what their place was. I mean, we all know what they did, what they brought to us. But I mean, when they came out, it was a really interesting time. California hardcore was pretty much this aggro aggressive scene. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, that's... It's the stuff I love listening to, your circle jerks, your black flags, your dead Kennedys. But it was all very, very macho environment. Even if very thought-provoking music, it was a very macho boys club scene. And then here come the descendants singing these personal pop songs, essentially. So when they embedded themselves into that LA, that uh, California hardcore scene, it was a, it was definitely a different take on the music than what anybody else was doing. Yeah, they definitely stand out to me. I mean, like, like you said, there wasn't, you know, I mean, if you just look at the descendants, especially from like back then, I mean, Milo's a complete nerd. He's, talk, he's like singing about nerdy stuff in, your, in the middle of this like hardcore crowd, essentially, like, or at least harder core crowd. And it just, it doesn't seem to work but it works perfectly. Like, it, you know, they, they managed to fit in between 
like a more hardcore crowd, but also have that pop sound. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it, it, like it's almost like it shouldn't make sense, but it makes complete sense. <laughs> I, I, I mean, what I hear when you when you hear like the stories of Bill, like talking about how, you know, him and him and Milo would hang out in high school and they'd be discussing X and Devo. Like that's what they wanted to, <laughs> that's what they wanted to emulate. That was their brand of punk. It wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the tough guy stuff, but then they're playing with the tough guy bands. And it, it, I'm sure for anybody in that scene, it was probably a nice change. Yeah, definitely something different for sure. Now that the documentary, if you haven't watched it, it really doesn't have anything to do. It has a lot less to do with Milo. It's re- the documentary is really focused around uh, Bill Stevenson, and he's the reason. I mean, if it wasn't for him, the, the descendants wouldn't exist. All wouldn't exist. You know, th- th- those are his children, essentially. From like, he's what he gave the world. You know, they're well. Eighty percent of the songs are his. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, Milo is the mascot. It's Bill's band, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's Bill's the Bill's the only person who's been in the Descendants from start to finish. I mean, he started the band with uh, as a three piece with Frank Nevetta and uh, Tony Lombardo, which I always find interesting. Frank and Bill were probably 16 or 17 when they started the Descendants. And there's Tony Lombardo, who's like was like 33 years old. <laughs> and I did not know that until I watched this documentary. Yeah, and he's I was definitely like, older in the documentary for sure. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, and then I'm like looking up his age. I'm like, wait, uh, Tony Lombardo's in his seventies. Like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, every scene has their creepy old guy. I guess Tony Lombardo was the scene creepy. Was the creepy old guy in the scene in, uh, you know, in Southern California in, in the late seventies, early eighties. Hey, man, he was just trying to have fun. You know, he's trying to stay young. Hey, and, uh, and he's one of those bass players, undis- un- unmistakable bass. Like, I can hear. I can hear a dis- like within three seconds and know which era of Descendants it is. And Tony Lombardo's bass is a big, big part of that. I mean, Carl Alvarez, their, their current bass player, is, for my money, one of the 10 best bass players I've ever heard. But Tony Lombardo has this distinctive sound that is so recognizable with the early Descendants records. Individually, they sound different for sure. But w- w- another thing that's impressive is the direction of the band, which is going to go back to you know Bill again, they still sound like the Descendants, and you can't say that about a lot of bands. Like a lot, like you can look at that as a good thing or a bad thing. Also, like some bands will you know you know go into different genres and stuff like that, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But the Descendants that you listen to today sound like, or at least similar enough to the Descendants from you know the late seventies, early eighties. Oh, completely, completely. Like I remember being in college in Stockton and um, me and Anthony were, were in a car and that uh, nothing with you song came on the radio. Like it just dropped on the radio. It was being played on regular radio and me and Anthony right away. were like, Oh, this is a new descendant song. Like we knew it right away. And that was kind of weird thinking because it was their first song in eight years, but you could tell right away that it was a descendant song. There was, was no mistaking of, it. Was that cool to be you? Was that, yes. that record? Okay. Yes. So this would have been 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good record. I like that one quite a bit. Yeah, I love that record too. They have an awesome story arc. I mean, they start as a three-piece band. Milo's just kind of the guy that hangs out at their practices. Like, oh, I'm, the fr- I'm a friend of the band. 
And then he starts singing songs at practice and they're like, hey, why don't we just make Milo the singer? Like, <laughs> it just kind of makes sense. You know, yeah, they, what you, a weird thing, just being like a fan, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to hang out with these guys practice. Like, I like their music. And then, like, you just start singing for them. Like, what a strange thing to happen. But also not strange. Like, like they say it in the in the uh, documentary, it was like the most obvious thing in the world, but it wasn't obvious to them at the time. I mean, when you listen to the really early stuff, you can tell they were meant to at that point of the band, they were definitely a three piece. But it was like, I don't know how much longer they could have sustained their sound as just being a power pop trio. I don't know if that would have. Yeah. So they put out the fat EP, which which is fun. That that EP is fun. And then obviously Milo goes to college, comes out, which is basically your very angsty high school teenage record and it's perfect all those songs are so relatable we'll talk about the record more into detail and then they uh then they then bill kind of branches out a little more he wants to he wants to make pop songs and that's kind of where uh the i don't want to grow up record comes out it's still very distinctively descendants but they definitely expanded their horizons on that on that record there's a pop on there and it's kind of a perfect record uh, that's believe that's yeah that's when Tony first left the band and that was kind of a change of direction Milo was in college as the last record <laughs> said this was uh, him coming back a couple years later saying all right let's put out another record let's do a summer tour and that was the uh, I don't want to grow up record yeah that's something but, that happened back and forth like Milo would you know take these leaves of that leaves of absence basically from the band to pursue uh, you know, his education and learning, you know, more in college. He has a PhD now, I believe, correct? Uh, he's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's officially retired. He was, he was working for DuPont actually making like chemicals. Like he was, honestly, if he hadn't retired, he probably would have been working on a COVID vaccine, if we're being honest. Like that's, that was his life. That was his life's work was biochemistry. The descendants were just an afterthought. Like that's kind of crazy to think about. You know, you you have this guy who's this frontman of this legendary, you know, Mount Rushmore of punk rock bands. And that was always his secondary thing, which, you know, the documentary also goes into, you know, they put out uh, I don't want to grow up, enjoy. And then they put out the all record, which is where they get in. They put that they put out that record in 86. It was. Carl Alvarez and Steven Egerton come over to play bass and guitar respectively. They tour in 87 and Milo calls it a day. Like that that was his farewell. They become all. That's why I always joke that the all record was actually the band all's first record as Milo being the first singer of all. Like that's, that's kind of how I view it instead of the, uh, the current dis current descendants uh, lineup that's been together since off and on since 86 they've been all longer you know (laughs) right for sure yeah it'll be interesting to see like if they're gonna go back i'm sure they're gonna play like as all again at some point well they did they did did punk rock bowling with uh chad price on vocals a couple weeks ago and i've i've probably watched the set four times (laughs) so (laughs) i like long for all to do a tour with chad price on vocals like i want that in the worst way yeah i mean all had three different singers they had dave smalley was their first singer and he was 
he was the he was most famously the front man of Dag Nasty and DYS up to that point. So they kind of they couldn't just fill Milo's shoes with anybody. They had to get a bigger name. So they get uh, Dave Smalley and, you know, he fit in great. I thought it was a good fit. The problem is Dave was not into the touring Bill wanted to do. Bill wanting the tour makes a lot of sense to me. If you look at like bands and how they make money, especially nowadays, you make your money on the road. You don't make, you, you make next to nothing from your records. Your records are like a joke compared to what you make on the road. So, and plus I'm sure he was younger and wanted to have fun. Like he probably really enjoyed touring. And like, it was like, you know, that was like his thing. But well, he also, he also, uh, he had also just gotten out of being in Black Flag, playing drums with Black Flag for a few years there. And Greg Ginn, Black Flag's founder, and I call him cult leader, he basically instilled in people this idea that you're supposed to play 300 tour dates a year. <laughs> I mean, if you ever, ever want to just listen to something interesting, listen to Henry Rollins's audiobook about his time in Black Flag called Get in the Van. There's also a book he wrote, but, they, they, but listening to him tell the stories, it's insane. It's like, okay, we played in Albuquerque, New Mexico yesterday. Now we're taking, now we're driving to Houston, Texas. We'll be in Philadelphia in two days and then we'll be back in LA. You're like, what are you doing? There's <laughs> no rhyme or sense. There's no rhyme or reason to this. And then it's, oh, and now we're going to Stuttgart, Germany. <laughs> like it's just, and Bill came up in that, in that environment. That's where he learned touring. He learned touring from the Greg Ginn method. And he kind of took that with descendants and all. And Dave Smalley was just like, yo, I'm out. I can't, I, I, I can't go back into the studio to do the next record. I can't, I'm dreading going back on the road. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I can't believe him. That's like, you know, there needs to be some sort of off time at least, you know, we're like, yeah. So then, yeah. So then he went and formed down by law and just kind of does his own thing, you know, like that's does intermittent dag nasty reunions from here and there. And he just, just kind of does his own thing. He just was not into that touring life anymore. And so they recruit again, kind of a kind of a Milo situation. They get the guy next door in Scott Reynolds to be their second singer. Probably put out a lot of people would say their best material. And I could would probably agree with that, even though as great of a singer as he was, I think they took a step forward when they got Chad Price. Because Chad Price kind of had this has his own thing. He has this, you could tell he's from Texas. It just it just works with the descendants essentially playing and then this like southern singer. I don't know. It just really, really works for me. And I I love that era of the band so much. But then it was also very welcoming when Milo wanted to come back and put out some stuff. And then they went back and forth for a couple of years. And now I guess I guess there are more descendants. Yeah, I guess since 2004, I don't all hasn't put out the record actually since 99. Yeah, that's dude, that's. Over 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy thinking that. That's nuts. Crazy man. thinking that. They put out two in two years and then they just kind of never put out another record. Yeah, very, very interesting. They definitely talked about all I would say that was probably like in the middle of filmage. There, you know, they're talking about that. And then I think it was right when they were about to get back together as the descendants when Bill had like some medical stuff. Is that right? Was it was that, am I off in the time? No, actually little bit off all was about to tour with scott reynolds <laughs> like mm. scott, scott hadn't been in the band since 93 i want to say and this and this tour would have been somewhere around 2010 i want to say i could have the dates wrong i 
should have written it down, but I remember I had tickets to see them at the first Unitarian church in Philly. I was so excited. I was going to see all with Scott Reynolds. This is something I never thought I'd see. And at my favorite venue to boot, like this is just going to be like the best show. And then about a week before the tour, it's announced it was just canceled abruptly. There was no reasoning. And I felt like a selfish jerk when I got all mad about it and then found out, oh, it's because Bill has a brain tumor. I was like, okay, yeah, I think that's more important. Yeah, that really changed the trajectory of, of what they were, at least what they were doing at that time. He had to go through that and you, they, they talk about it in the movie. So you guys should definitely go and watch film, which is, you know, definitely, you know, we're giving you some of the insights to it, but if you watch it, it's way more impactful and they show you he nearly died like he the doctor that was helping him didn't seem to be like oh this is going to go perfectly it seemed to be like a very risky surgery and you know the the size of his tumor was an issue and then there were some other things as well but he was lucky to be alive after that basically yeah and then it was it was uh and it was so cool was less than a year later i'm at the uh philadelphia riot fest and the descendants are headlining and Bill's playing drums. And it was, it was pretty amazing. I remember being like completely inspired. And even though I couldn't make it to the after show, they made up the date, the all show with Scott Reynolds at the TLA after the show, they all did a show with Scott Reynolds on vocals. So they, that's awesome. They made up the date. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. I had to, I had to get, I had a uh, family commitments after the show, which, but I think it's cool that they made up the date. So Bill played twice that night. <laughs> As you would expect from him <laughs> yeah just I mean, keep going <laughs> oh i mean it's it's pretty wild when the descendants do tour i mean they don't tour as much as obviously they don't tour as much as they used to but when they tour they they really shell out the dates they came down here down to florida shortly after i moved here about five months after i moved here and they were playing orlando which was really funny they were playing the house of blues disney springs so I went to Disney to see the Descendants, which is really funny. Drinking a beer before the show, like, yep, drinking a PBR, about to go see a uh, go to go to see one of my '80s, my favorite '80s hardcore bands at Disney. <laughs> Ready to go? Taking a Disney, I took a Disney shuttle to the show from my hotel. Oh my gosh! Yeah, That's so funny. Talk about punk rock, man. But <laughs> but I, I I took the trip up to Orlando, which is about you know four hours from me, and. Then I'm, I, I, I took the trip up because I'm like, how often are you going to get to see the Descendants down here? I'll do it. I'll do a day in Orlando. And then they came down here in Fort Lauderdale six months later. I'm like, OK, got to see the Descendants twice and twice in a year in Florida. Yeah. Back when Cool to Be You came out, I was like, I really wanted to see them then. And I don't think I saw them in New Jersey, actually. I don't think it was until I came to California. You know, a few years after that record came out, that might have been they might not. Have to, I, in fact, I don't they think didn't they tour for tour. that record. They yeah, did not they tour, tour for that right record. Away. But then like they four did. years later, they just, they just, they just started touring. No, cause, cause, <laughs> cause here, here's, here's what, here's, here's how I know that they played the surf and skate festival in Asbury park two days after I got into pie cap. I went to that show and they had this t-shirt because you know, they always have their date specific shirts. And on the back of it, it said, you weren't there, but you wish you would have been. <laughs> was that and they didn't play another show for like 
six or seven years, everybody just kind of, everybody just kind of went, man, did they, did they play their last show and just not tell anybody? Was that the idea behind this shirt? Yeah. I mean, it, it was possible because I didn't see them forever. And then, you know, I, the first time I saw them was in California. Like when I moved here, I moved here in 2008 and sometime within the first, I think, I want to say within the first two or three years of me living here, they played a show. And now that I've lived here, you know, since then, I think I've seen them four or five times in Southern California, which is crazy because they have such a weird like history of not touring and then touring. And then they, you know, they've been pretty consistent uh, since then to tour like every few years, it seems. Yeah. It's, it, it, for, for a band that has such uh, sporadic touring and limited touring, it is crazy that I get to say I've seen them seven and a half times. And now you're probably, wa- now you're probably <laughs> wondering what the halftime is. So after all puts out the uh, the problematic record, which was their last re- last record all put out, they were touring. They played the Trocadero, and Histor- if you guys don't know the the Trocadero was like one of the best venues, if not the best venue in Philadelphia. That yeah, it's unfortunately my, it's my favorite venue. R.I.P. No longer around. Yeah, unfortunately, no longer with us. So Milo Milo at this at this point is a uh, chemistry professor at the University of Delaware. So not too far, not too far from uh, Philadelphia. I'm outside smoking a cigarette and I see Milo walk in. I'm smoking a cigarette between uh, Alkaline Trio open the show. And um, so I'm smoking a cigarette between uh, Alkaline Trio and all. And I see Milo walk in and I go to my friends. I'm like, yo, Milo just walked in the door. And they're like, no way. I'm like, yeah, dude. Like maybe, maybe they'll do some descendant songs. So this so, son of a bitch just walks through the front door. He doesn't even like go through like the back. Or no, no. And everybody and, every, and everybody's and everybody's kind of like, oh, it's Milo. It's Milo, you know. And um, so all plays. I want to be a bear in the beginning of their set. So I'm like, all right, they're already doing Descendant songs. So he's not Milo's not doing anything. Like you know, they. He just came to say so, hi or hang out or something. Just came, came hi to hang out backstage and you know see the band. You know, like there's friends. You know, it's go see my old band. Then they come out for their encore. Milo comes out and they do Coolidge, I'm Not a Loser, Jealous Again by Black Flag, and Johnny Hit, Run, Johnny Hit and Run Pauline by X. <laughs> so they come in, so Descendants come out, do two Descendants songs and two covers. So that's like my halftime seeing the Descendants. So that's Descendants awesome. to the encore of the All Show. What a bonus, man. You get to see all yeah, the Descendants at the same time. Yeah, one of my, that was one of my, that was definitely one of my favorite shows ever. One of those historic, uh, historic uh, moments. Yeah, Milo had a uh, history of doing that in the Northeast. There's a there's a famous instance where uh, they were playing the City Gardens in Trenton, which if you've not, that's an awesome documentary, by the way, that I can't recommend enough is the City Gardens documentary. That is just the stories out of that place are just crazy. So Scott Reynolds gets sick. And Milo filled in and they did a, they did a random descendant show in like 1989. <laughs> Crazy. So, yeah, I uh, so I definitely recommend the documentary. There's lots of cool people telling stories. I mean, if you just want to get an idea of how much influence this band has, you just listen to the outpouring of love that everybody has for this band. One of my favorite parts was they, they're talking about specifically like the late 90s and early 2000s and like how there, there was this huge swath of pop punk that, that came up and still no one paid attention to the descendants it was like what the hell like you know all the all these bands that got popular during that time are all talking about you know their biggest influences are, are the descendants or they're at least one of their biggest influences and they're still like being ignored 
in the mainstream for the most part. Like, yeah, yeah, they have their following, but let's let's be realistic. They were never as big as some of those pop punk bands from like you know ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. They're they're never going to be as big as Blink One Eighty Two. Well, the funny thing about that is, I feel like they just came too early. Because like like when I think about when Everything Sucks came out in uh, 1996, when that record came out, that was a really big deal. MTV was playing that was playing those videos. That was a great record. They did headline the Warp Tour that were that you know Blink 182 was one of the opening bands on. You know, so they were just before that huge explosion of pop punk. If they if 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 everything sucks had been four year if if like you could have had the same age if the descendants could have been the same age they were if everything could have been pushed forward three or four years they would have been that big. I think so. I I, I think so. I think they they may have caught on bigger than Blink One Eighty Two. Like Blink One Eighty Two is way more of a pop band. Like obviously, uh, so they they do have that more mainstream appeal. But I think people like especially seeing the Descendants live, you know, they're 10 they'll put on 10 times the show that blink 182 does and this is you know i've seen both bands play live multiple times and i agree that blink 182 has gotten better over the years but they're not even close to as good as the descendants like live not not even close no i have a weird relationship with blink 182 i'm not the blink hate blink 182 guy but i was for many years i was for many many years though but i i do remember when they first came out kind of liking them and i here's this funny i'll never forget it we were um we were going to a show that they were playing. Oh, it was it was that warp tour, actually. It was that warp tour. Uh I think Dude Ranch might have just came out. So it was Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch were the two records they had out. And I remember going to the show and I mean like uh, I just being like, oh, I've heard them on comps, not really my thing. But and I remember my buddy Bob on the way to the show describing them, going. They're kind of like the descendants, but cuter. <laughs> cuter and brattier. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of, kind of. I mean, they definitely did it. They definitely wore their descendants uh, influence on their sleeve. and didn't make any, you know, apologies or bones about it. But then again, though, so did every band. I mean, could you, could you imagine uh, there being a Green Day if the song Suburban Home never came out? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that whole, I mean, there, there was a whole generation where descendants are probably the mo, the main influence. I mean, that they, I like a lot of pop punk. Like I like green day a lot. I think they have some albums that aren't that great, but I think they have other albums that are like amazing. Blink-182, I have like a, like, they have some okay albums. Like they're so, to be honest, their self-titled album is my favorite album by them. It's it's the weirdest album by them. No, no other Blink-182 album sounds like the self-titled album. And it's their best work. I, I was hoping they would continue going down that path, but then it just seemed like they just went back to being Blink-182 after that album. Yeah, for me, I I'm 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 a stickler for the early stuff because it just it's just a fun three-piece pop punk band for me. And I just kind of like that just simplistic, just we're a three-piece pop out band. Like, let's go. And I, 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 I kind of dug that. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of influences, you know, from the Descendants over the years. You guys should all go watch Filmage. Uh, it was excellent. It's probably only like an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes. It's not, it's not that long at all. Um, it's a breezy watch. It's a breezy, easy watch. 
and it's interesting the whole time. I don't think there was a single time where I was like looking at my phone or anything like that. You know, they, they had a very good pacing to it and everything. So no, and they're 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 a band that I grew up with. Like I there's different stages of my life that I actually incorporate with descendants records. I mean, my logos to college was very much how I felt in high school. Everything sucks is kind of a more grown-up record, a more and their newer records are far more grown up, but they still oh, have yeah. a descendant sound. Definitely. All I always all I always say was like the perfect band for me in my 20s. That to me is descendants for you when you're, you're growing up. That's that's all for me. It's grown up. It's almost adult contemporary descendants. <laughs> well, essentially, you're growing up with Bill because like you said earlier, not all the songs, but the vast majority of them are written by him. You know, they're his thoughts and feelings. Yeah, they're all and they're all pretty much biographical in nature too which is always interesting to me with descendants which is why they're so relatable yeah personal experiences when you write about an actual personal experience it sounds more honest and true and then i think that's something that you can definitely if i if i could describe the descendants in one word it would be honest that's a good way of putting it i like that speaking of that so so we're talking about you know the descendants and the the way they write records milo goes to college comes out it's it's like, you know, huge at that time, you know, for that scene. And like you said earlier, there's not many things you would call a perfect record. This album is great start to finish. I think every song on there is at at worst case scenario, the song is good. uh, And most songs are great to like amazing. So we're going to pull out some of the ones that that you and I both like, instead of going through every single song, we're just going to talk about a a few of them briefly for you guys from that record that, that we think are either important or that we just happen to like. And we're going to start out with My Age. How do you feel about My Age? <laughs> I remember when I did a, I, I once did a playlist of just album openers, an entire playlist of just track number ones. And I started it off with My Age because My Age is the perfect opening track. Again, that Tony Lombardo bass line, you know, you can't, it's unmistakable. As soon as you hear that, if it comes on, if it comes on my shuffle, I'm like, oh no, uh, hell with that. I'm I'm just starting the record for over again. I'm listening to my. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to my. That's what I'm gonna do for the next half hour. I'm gonna listen to Milo goes to college. <laughs> well, look, that's another. That's a great point, right? The album is 22 minutes and 39 seconds long from front to start. Like you can listen to this whole album in a car ride home from work. If you got a 25 minute car ride, you can listen to the entire record. And and this is, again, why it's so good. It's like, I I like short records personally, if they're done well, if there's a lot of good songs. And I mean, this, this is something you just put on and forget about. It's just there. It's, you know, it's just playing in your environment and there's no need to skip a song. I like, I I like my records either super short or super long. Give me that, give me that new uh, 74 minute Iron Maiden record or give me me the 20 minute Descendants record. And that's fair. I like that Maiden album quite a bit too. It's it, but it, but it's 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 uh yeah. I mean, my my short records. It's like give me my logos to college, that self-titled Kid Dynamite or uh, Slayer Rain and Blood. <laughs> oh, Kid Dynamite! We're, we're gonna have to do a whole show on Kid Dynamite. I mean, th- those Hell. are like the perfect shortest records. Like their second album is called Shorter, Faster, Louder, and it's. I don't think it's better than their first album. I like their first album more, but it's still damn good. Yeah, when we do when we when we uh, do a Kid Dynamite uh, show, I'll talk more about why I think the first one uh, connects more with people than the second. But because uh, I could go all day on that, so <laughs> we'll hold that thought for uh, that show. 
Definitely. And then the next song that we want to talk about was I'm Not a Loser, which I think is probably, you know, my age is like a fun way to start a record. It's, 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 it's personal, of course. But I think this song is really what appeals to a lot of people in which, you know, I, I would say that this song put them on the map more so than probably any other song on this record. Would you agree or you think I'm crazy? Uh, I think it's between this and Bikeage, what oh, I, oh, I would yeah, think Bikeage. I would Bikeage. think are the are, I would think are the two songs. But no, I'm not a loser. I mean, when I think about most cover covered uh, Descendant songs, they would probably be the two uh, or three if you include. Uh, I guess Hope too. Hope's been covered by a ton of bands. But I'm not a loser. I mean, it was so what everybody when we go when we talk about high school kids getting into punk rock. Yeah, this was. You know, you were called every name that they that they mentioned in this in this uh, song for <laughs> for liking punk rock. You were a weirdo for liking punk rock. Punk rock was not the cool thing it is today. Not even in the 90s. It wasn't. I mean, this record came out in the 80s and that was even more. I mean, you think about the You think about the shit you got for being a punk rocker in the in the 90s times that by a thousand in the 80s. Yeah. So, I, I mean, this probably spoke, this song spoke to people. The reason I think this song is so important on the record is that even if you weren't into punk and you heard this record, the majority of people could identify with this song immediately and be like, oh my God, he's just speaking the truth, man. Like, and even if you don't personally feel that way, you probably know somebody who feels that way or you know somebody who was picked on or mistreated or something like that. Very relatable. And for a, a message to all you kids out there, Stay weird. Stay weird. That's Stay weird. Message. Yes. Do do what you want to do. Be you. Fuck them. Exactly. Like I said, that song has been uh, covered by uh, countless countless bands. Uh, I remember Voodoo Gold Schools did a very good cover of it on a uh, on a cop called Punk Sucks. <laughs> I remember I remember buying that cop specifically for the uh, the uh, Voodoo Glow Skulls cover of I'm Not a Loser. It's actually where I heard Blink-182 for the first time. Oh, wow. <laughs> they, uh, M&M's, M&M's was on that uh, on that comp. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think M&M was at the first Warped Tour I ever went to. If I remember no, no, correctly. no. I, I was speaking of the, the Blink-182 song, M&M's. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but M&M, M&M was on Before that. he uh, got huge. I think that might have been the uh, that might have been the Descendants Warp Tour. It might have been. I, I, I'm like I'm like 99% sure. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive he was on a Warp Tour, and I don't think he was even on a main stage. I think he was on like no, a no. side stage somewhere. No, he he was on the main stage. He, he was, was on the main stage. Okay. It was right after uh, that first single dropped. It was right after that. He might have you, you know it might have been one of these things where he was like not on the main stage and then got booted to the main stage because he blew up during the warp tour yeah yeah that sounds right i think you're right i don't remember but i think you're right because I, th- I think it i think i remember going there and it was just like why why is he why and is everybody he was like and, the headliner of this because he, he blew up but he he wasn't like it wasn't nobody foresaw that happening to the extent that it did and it was at a time when people were still calling him Slim Shady. It's like yeah. there was people thought this people like there was people in the mainstream that thought that was his name, like, <laughs> Slim Shady, because that was you know the song was that was the big single. Parents was another uh, song that we uh, that we uh, put down here, and that is one 
that I didn't necessarily identify with because I've had a great relationship with my parents, but I know plenty of people that didn't so much have that. So I can understand why that song spoke to a lot of people. And that was actually uh, a song written by uh, Frank wrote uh, parents. I think that I, especially if you watch the documentary, you kind of, you don't, you don't get to know Frank that much from the documentary, but like a little bit, I think this was more about control and it was like his his parents were trying to control him, which is another thing that obviously teenagers are going to be controlled by their parents, or at least they're going to be attempted to be controlled by their parents. And this is just his way of being like, fuck you. Like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do, essentially. I'm going to play in this punk rock band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like there, I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that were, you know, young budding punk rockers that wanted to go to shows and dad's telling them, you know, you're going to, you're, you're going to join the military. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can relate to it because I don't want my parents controlling me. Like I, I was a fairly good kid at that time. I, I didn't do too much bad shit anyways, at least not then. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, even I could relate to that. Like, oh, no, you can't go out or no, you can't do this. Like just being told no, it's like, fuck you, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I was lucky in that regard because my, my sister kind of broke my parents in. <laughs> so, so like by the time when, they got to you they just gave up they were like yeah whatever you'll be fine yeah 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 my, my house was my house was the party house in oh, for, my, awesome. for, for my for my sister like she she was having all the parties and they kind of just broke my parents but my brother he my brother was probably uh just doing whatever he wanted at 12 <laughs> oh they got God. to him between me and my sister yeah that's so, awesome. but but I can totally, but I, but I know a lot, but I do have friends whose parents were very controlling and I, I can see why that song was relatable to a lot of people, especially for the theme of this record. Oh yeah. My, my parents weren't that controlling. I definitely, I, like you, I know people whose parents were like, like way more out there. So I, I can understand where that came from for sure. And then we have Suburban Home. We were talking about the bangers on this record. We, we were talking about how I'm Not a Loser and Bikeage might be the most important record. And then we were like, oh, well, there's also Hope. Suburban, Suburban Home <laughs> might be. I mean, it was, it was the first Descendant song I ever heard. I remember, he, I remember vividly hearing it for the first time. My friend Mike Carney, who I've been friends with since I was in kindergarten, still friends with to this day, his older brother Brad was kind of like, the guy who got us into good music we were in mike's room and we heard suburban home coming from brad's room and it was like what is this what is brad listening to we need to listen to that and it was suburban home and he, and he was just like oh it's descendants milo goes to college this is like one of the greatest records of all time I'm like oh <laughs> should check it out for somebody like me completely identifiable as somebody who grew up in suburban philadelphia even though this is about suburban los angeles Suburbs are suburbs. Yep, they certainly are. This was one of the earliest songs I've listened to by them, but I feel like I listened to probably Everything Sucks first. I think I listened to like that entire record before I heard anything off of this one. It was just like, okay, then now there's two really good records, so what else do they have? You know, like then you start exploring into other things. So if you want to listen, if you haven't heard The Descendants and you're listening to this now, you can start with, I, I would start with one of those two records. They're both fantastic and they, they'll both get you hooked and you'll know what you're in for. Yeah, and they're and they're and they're starkly different. They're, they're it's the same band. I mean, it's the same. 
I wouldn't say it's the same band because it is a different lineup and you, you can hear that, but it's, it's still the descendants. It's they're both very much iconic descendants records and they're at two different stages of the band. Yeah. This is certainly like a high school stage. And then like, as you get a little bit older, I mean, it's called everything sucks. I mean, you, <laughs> it's, it's right in the title. That's what you're getting from that record. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a great, um, there's actually a great, bootleg that came out that is on you can you can find it on youtube it's uh all the descendant it's this all the demos for everything sucks with chad price on vocals because it was meant to it was recorded to be an all record and then milo was milo was like hey uh i i i'm I'm gonna take a break from uh teaching college uh i'd like to do some descendant states and they're like do you want to do it bill's like do you want to do a record (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. so yeah so it's kind of fun there's there's there, there's a uh it's, it's it's i think it's about 10 of the songs are on our masters with chad on vocals and it's a little fun to listen to but uh going back to milo goes to college suburban home then of course you know you you, you can't talk about this record without talking about hope which oh, yeah. might be we're talking about um identifiable songs as a nice guy there's this song is very this song was very identifiable to me in high school yeah i mean you related them to green day before and it puts in my head the nice guys finished last from the green day from from green day's record very similar oh yeah well green day's another band that wears their descendants love all over the place (laughs) it is crazy thinking if milo didn't go to college they probably would have been a uh, mtv mainstay but um a song like this you you would think would be you know plastered on mtv well it's i mean the song has been covered by mainstream acts sublime covered it on the uh 40 ounces to freedom record band that we talked about on a on an earlier podcast soul asylum covered this song as the b-side for the single misery which was hmm. their only number one single that Soul Asylum put out was mis- was Misery. Yeah, it was their song that Weird Al covered as well. <laughs> Weird Al did a parody of. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah. we talked about Weird Al in every episode so far. <laughs> well, that should be an ongoing theme because you can't talk about we, we We need to do a Weird Al episode. That is oh. has to happen. Without a doubt. But, uh, yeah, Hope. Hope has been covered by a lot of bands. Very relatable song about, uh, you know, just wanting the girl that you can't have. And that's the theme of hope. Yeah, almost everybody can again relate to that, you know, from your high school years, I'm sure. Of course, we've met, I think we've mentioned this song uh, three times in this podcast already, which is Bikeage. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that song is like real life kind of mess you up if you think, you know, if you're thinking about what you're listening to and not just listening to it. Yeah, this is about giving time to that person that probably can't be helped. Yep. They can't help themselves, which, you know, there's not much you can do if they're not willing to at least try to help themselves. And like uh, every other record on every other song on this record has been covered by countless bands. (laughs) Face to face, face face notably. Oh, yeah, dude. Their cover of Bike. I I like the original better, but Face to Face's version is excellent. Yeah, very good. As well as a great Philadelphia area punk band called Plow United. I saw them open for the descendants at the philly riot fest and that was like a really big deal for plow united they made it like a big deal that they were reuniting for this show and it was the second time 
I saw a band that covered Bikeage open for the Descendants. The first time being face to face at Surf and Skate Festival. Oh wow! <laughs> so it was like kind of funny, like thinking, uh, "Well, I guess they're not playing Bikeage tonight." <laughs> <laughs> Bikeage might be a uh, top ten to twenty favorite song of mine all time. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I never sat down and thought about you know organizing this and like what's what's the best Descendants songs or anything like that. But that one's certainly up there, easily easily in everybody's top five. If it's not your top five descendant songs, then what the hell's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't have a pulse. <laughs> Revisiting this record is something I probably do once uh, probably once a month. I would say I probably listen to Milo Goes to College once a month. There's there's very few records that I can say that about, and Milo Goes to College is one of them. I don't ever tire of it what it did for punk rock is amazing what it did for hardcore was amazing hardcore was always kind of known as your you know your tough guy angry aggro music and here comes the descendants i'm not sure if the dc hardcore scene which kind of evolved into what was used to be known as emo which i don't know if People would call early emo emo anymore. People would just probably call it emotionally driven hardcore, which is where emo derived from. But I don't think that scene comes out if it weren't for the descendants. It's the descendants, descendants, Husker do. There's a very small group of bands that were out at that time that were doing personal music in that scene. Yeah, it changed everything. I mean, like we talked about earlier, it's a very influential band. All these other bands are inspired by the descendants. And I mean, this album was really what kicked all that off. You know, a lot of bands, a lot of stuff, not just the Descendants, but to this album. You know, if you listen to this when you're a teenager, you're going to connect with it totally different than if you listen to it as an older adult. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was, I mean, I, I, I take that back as far as bands not putting out personal stuff uh, as far as punk rock and hardcore goes. But it was more, I hate the world, cops fucked with me yesterday, that kind of personal, angry you know, I'm pissed off at the government, that kind of personal stuff. It wasn't the girl that got away right. or my parents are, are, are messing with me. It was it was a different type of uh, personal uh, reflections. Certainly. I mean, if you listen to Bad Religion, they're not going to have songs like this, really. Their songs are going to be pretty much all politically driven in some some way, shape or form. Societal and political nature were most of your punk rock at that time. Yeah. And I like that stuff too. Don't get me wrong, but you can oh, just connect with it totally differently. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's more, that's actually more my, uh, my wheelhouse, but, you know, <laughs> but, but, but you need a break from that from time to time. Certainly, certainly do. What are your final thoughts on the record? I think it's, it's, it's one of the most important punk albums. Like I wouldn't even put it under pop punk. because I, I, I have another problem with people like, they put classifications inside of classifications and like i just at some point i just stopped listening like <laughs> there's too many classifications for things so i would just say this is one of the best punk albums you can listen to and you can put that under hardcore you can put it under pop punk i don't care what you put it under but under the flagship of punk rock you have to listen to this record it's well, that's a must. the that's the beauty of the descendants in reality is that your hardcore kids love the descendants your pop punk kids love the descendants. There's something for everybody with the descendants. They, I couldn't have said it much better. That's exactly what I was trying to say. 
everybody gets something from here. And even if you, you've never listened to punk, this is a great place to start. There's, there's very few better places I could point you at than the descendants. And then Milo goes to college. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were one of the, the first two punk bands I started listening to were descendants and the misfits. They were the first two punk rock bands I got into. So I don't, I, I would, I would agree with you. I don't know if there's a better starting place to get into punk rock than Milo goes to college. It was mine. So speaking from personal experience, uh, yeah, I, I can totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, if you can't connect with this right off the bat, go to everything sucks. One of those two is going to get you. I don't know which one, maybe them both like me, maybe them both like you, but yeah, I mean, or everything sucks or as I call it the new descendants record, which just celebrated its 25th birthday. Nice. <laughs> but, I still call it, but I still call it the new descendants record. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Enthusiast Music Podcast. You guys can follow me at from NJ to CA on my personal stuff. Make sure you guys follow the company at Enthusiast over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those things. Please like and subscribe to us over on YouTube. Support us over on Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash Enthusiast. All the support you guys give us over there goes right back into making our shows better. And we really, really, really appreciate that. John, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at SloopJ232 and on Instagram, SloopJohn232. That's right. So make sure you guys follow us there. Um, please keep up with us for the next episode. I think we're going to be doing the Rolling Stones Between the Buttons. We also have to record our Halloween show soon. So I'm not sure how these are going to air. So just stay tuned and get prepared with that stuff. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Until next time, you guys take care.